episode 18. A hundred thousand witches and wizards were taking their places in the seats, which rose in levels around the long oval pitch. Everything was suffused with a mysterious golden light that seemed to come from the stadium itself. The pitch looked smooth as velvet from their lofty position. At either end of the pitch stood three goal hoops, fifty feet high. Right opposite them, almost at Harry's eye level, was a gigantic blackboard. Gold writing kept dashing across it as though an invisible giant's hand were scrawling upon it and then wiping it off again. Watching it, Harry saw that it was flashing advertisements across the pitch. The Blue Bottle, a broom for all the family, safe, reliable, and with inbuilt anti-burglar buzzer. Mrs. Scour's all-purpose magical mess remover. No pain, no stain. Glad rags, wizard wear. London, Paris, Hogsmeade. Harry tore his eyes away from the sign and looked over his shoulder to see who else was sharing the box with them. So far it was empty, except for a tiny creature sitting in the second-from-last seat at the end of the row behind them. The creature, whose legs were so short they stuck out in front of it on the chair, was wearing a tea towel draped like a toga, and it had its face hidden in its hands. Yet those long, bat-like ears were oddly familiar. Dobby, said Harry incredulously. The tiny creature looked up and parted its fingers, revealing enormous brown eyes and a nose the exact size and shape of a large tomato. It wasn't Dobby. It was, however, unmistakably a house elf, as Harry's friend Dobby had been. Harry had set Dobby free from his old owners, the Malfoy family. Did Sir just call me Dobby? squeaked the elf curiously from between its fingers. Its voice was higher even than Dobby's had been, a teeny, quivering squeak of a voice, and Harry suspected, though it was very hard to tell with a house elf, that this one might just be female. Ron and Hermione spun around in their seats to look. Though they had heard a lot about Dobby from Harry, they had never actually met him. Even Mr. Weasley looked around in interest. Sorry, Harry told the elf, I thought you were someone I knew. But I know Dobby too, sir, squeaked the elf. She was shielding her face as though blinded by light, though the top box was not brightly lit. My name is Winky, sir. And you, sir. Her dark brown eyes widened to the size of side plates as they rested upon Harry's scar. You is surely Harry Potter. Yeah, I am, said Harry. But Dobby talks of you all the time, sir, she said, lowering her hands very slightly and looking awestruck. How is he? said Harry. How's freedom suiting him? Oh, sir, said Winky, shaking her head. Oh, sir, meaning no disrespect, sir, but I is not sure you did Dobby a favor, sir, when you is setting him free. Why? said Harry, taken aback. What's wrong with him? Freedom is going to Dobby's head, sir, said Winky sadly. Ideas above his station, sir. Can't get 
why not, said Harry. Winky lowered her voice by a half octave and whispered, He is wanting paying for his work, sir. Paying, said Harry blankly. Well, why shouldn't he be paid? Winky looked quite horrified at the idea and closed her fingers slightly so that her face was half hidden again. House elves is not paid, sir, she said in a muffled squeak. No, no, no. I says to Dubby, I says, go find yourself a nice family and settle down, Dubby. He is getting up to all sorts of hijinks, sir. What is unbecoming to a house elf? You goes racketing around like this, Dobby, I says, and the next thing I hear, you'll be up in front of the department for the regulation and control of magical creatures, like some common goblin. Well, it's about time he had a bit of fun, said Harry. How sells is not supposed to have fun, Harry Potter, said Winky firmly from behind her hands. How sells does what they is told. I is not liking heights at all, Harry Potter. She glanced toward the edge of the box and gulped. But my master sent me to the top box and I come, sir. Well, why has he sent you up here if he knows you don't like heights? Said Harry, frowning. Master, master wants me to save him a seat, Harry Potter. He is very busy, said Winky, tilting her head toward the empty space beside her. Winky is wishing she is back in master's tent, Harry Potter. But Winky does what she is told. Winky is a good house elf. She gave the edge of the box another frightened look and hid her eyes completely again. Harry turned back to the others. So that's a house elf, Ron muttered. Weird things, aren't they? Dobby was weirder, said Harry fervently. Ron pulled out his omnoculars and started testing them, staring down into the crowd on the other side of the stadium. Wild, he said, twiddling the replay knob on the side. I can make that old bloke down there pick his nose again. And again? And again? Hermione, meanwhile, was skimming eagerly through her velvet-covered, tasseled program. A display from the team mascots will precede the match, she read aloud. Oh, that's always worth watching, said Mr. Weasley. National teams bring creatures from their native land, you know, to put on a bit of a show. The box filled gradually around them over the next half hour. Mr. Weasley kept shaking hands with people who were obviously very important wizards. Percy jumped to his feet so often that he looked as though he was trying to sit on a hedgehog. When Cornelius Fudge, the minister for magic himself, arrived, Percy bowed so low that his glasses fell off and shattered. Highly embarrassed, he repaired them with his wand and thereafter remained in his seat, throwing jealous looks at Harry, whom Cornelius Fudge had greeted like an old friend. They had met before, and Fudge shook Harry's hand in fatherly fashion, asked how he was, and introduced him to the wizards on either side of him. Harry Potter, you know, he loudly told the Bulgarian minister, who was wearing splendid robes of black velvet trimmed with gold, and didn't seem to understand a word of English. Harry Potter! Oh, come on, you know who he is! The boy who survived, you know who! You do know who he is. 
The Bulgarian wizard suddenly spotted Harry's scar and started gabbling loudly and excitedly, pointing at it. No wind up there in the end, said Fudge wearily to Harry. I'm no great shakes at languages. I need Marty Crouch for this sort of thing. Ah, I see his house elves saving him a seat. Good job, too. These Bulgarian blighters have been trying to cadge all the best places. Ah, and here's Lucius. Harry, Ron and Hermione turned quickly. Edging along the second row to three still empty seats, right behind Mr. Weasley, were none other than Dobby the house elf's old owners, Lucius Malfoy, his son, Draco, and a woman Harry supposed must be Draco's mother. Harry and Draco Malfoy had been enemies ever since their very first journey to Hogwarts. A pale boy with a pointed face and white blonde hair, Draco greatly resembled his father. His mother was blonde, too, tall and slim. She would have been nice-looking if she hadn't been wearing a look that suggested there was a nasty smell under her nose. Ah, fudge, said Mr. Malfoy, holding out his hand as he reached the Minister for Magic. How are you? I don't think you've met my wife, Narcissa, or our son, Draco. How do you do? How do you do? said Fudge, smiling and bowing to Mrs. Malfoy. And allow me to introduce you to Mr. Oblansk. Uh, Oblansk. Uh, well, he's the Bulgarian minister for magic, and he can't understand a word I'm saying anyway, so never mind. And let's see who else. You know Arthur Weasley, I dare say. 